0: Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and I don't know if you've noticed, but I sound like a horrible monster this week. The, the reason I sound like a horrible monster is because I am sick, and I thought maybe I shouldn't do a show, but then I was like, I am dying to talk about more berenstain bear chapter books and so to help me uh pull through this bold experiment of the berenstain bear chapter books uh, i have brought on another monster and why do i feel comfortable calling this person a monster because we're both podcasters and really podcasters are history's greatest monsters we are the we are the worst of the worst picking apart Poor, poor pop culture, and, uh, <laughs> and, and and serving it back to you all ripped to shreds as we as we un- unfairly unfairly analyze a bunch of chapter books written for eleven year olds. <laughs> but it's a great book this week. We're talking about the Berenstain Bears and the Ghost of the Auto Graveyard, which is as we've seen in all the Baron Bear chapter books, not really what the book is about. And to help me pick my way through this book, we have returning guest, um, the host of the Judging Book Covers podcast, one of the hosts of Fabulous Retellings and one of the hosts of the Handbook for Handbook for Mortals. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Megan Griffin. Hello, Megan.
1: Hello, how are you feeling?
0: <laughs> I, think, I think it's squarely obvious how I'm feeling. <laughs> I sound like I sound like the worst Muppet.
1: <laughs> it's it is an interesting like peaks and valleys of hearing your voice go. Oh, it's okay. Maybe it's okay. No, never mind.
0: No, nope, no. Nope. See <laughs> if I if I found if I speak in this register, I can kind of pull it off. But then like all my all my listeners would be like, why is the sultry guy? hosting the bear show when it's usually say, the, the hype the, the hyper nerd is usually hosting the bear show <laughs> so you know I'm, when i get to my ever registered it is bizarrely uh broken so you know what <laughs> i'm gonna let you take control of a lot of this one <laughs> so that people aren't forced to i'll do what i can to help so megan i can't remember last time we talked uh, we discussed the Berenstain Bears and the dress code. Correct. Which was the book with the rads and the torn jeans and the short skirts and Queenie McBear getting shamed for, uh, dressing like a normal preteen.
1: Yes. And it came at a great time too. I think there was a lot of, uh, dress code discussions going on during that time.
0: There certainly were, uh, I haven't noticed a whole lot of dress code discussions in the news recently. Um, but. Well, I guess I also haven't noticed a whole lot of classic car discussions in the news recently. So it kind of falls <laughs> it's like, apart. Wait a this. <laughs> <laughs> so, this book, okay, what well, first right off the bat, what 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 drew you to The Ghost of the Auto Graveyard?
1: I'm not entirely sure why I signed up for it originally other than, you know, the word ghost, isn't it? But as I read this book, I think I've actually read this one as a kid. Oh, really? Well, either that or I am very, very good at guessing who is the bad guy (laughs) and what's going to happen next. (laughs) So, yeah, as I was reading this this afternoon, I was like, this is really familiar. I'm having like – elementary school flashbacks right now why
0: don't you tell us a little bit about the ghost of the auto graveyard
1: so this book is about a um, there has been a classic car show announced to mm-hmm. benefit the school if i'm not mistaken yes and they put together a team of kids to kind of control all of this and papa bear decides he wants to enter his roadster in, to which the rest of the family is like It's an old car, but is it a classic? Turns out it is, it's a 1954 GG, which I can't remember off the top of my head what that stands for.
0: I think it's Grizzly Garage.
1: I think so, I know it's Grizzly something. Yeah. Um, So apparently they went out of business the same year that this car was purchased. So it is in fact a rare collectible car. Now if they can find the hubcaps and the hood ornament, they can enter into the show. So brother Bear and his not girlfriend go to find these parts um, where we get to learn a little bit about the auto graveyard. And sister doesn't come because she is terrified and they find the parts. They actually find out that they have found the original parts that grandpa bear, is it grandpa bear?
0: Grizzly gramps.
1: Thank you. Apparently his hubcaps and hood ornament was stolen and they have actually found them, which in and of itself is a cool enough story, but not the end. So they enter the car into the show and they wake up the next morning to go to the show, but eight cars have been stolen. Papa Bear's car and Bonnie's uncle's three of his cars, three or four of his. They bring the bear detectives on who go all over town trying to figure out who stole it, but end up at the graveyard where they accuse the owners of the graveyard the auto graveyard not just a graveyard <laughs> a poor
0: poor a poor poor pastor and some nuns. much I, better story I guess they own a graveyard I guess that, I don't know who actually is an owner of a graveyard but whatever
1: they accuse the owners who are just a red herring and they spend the night to see who actually stole these and they catch end up finding and catching all four People, there's a lot of red herrings and mm-hmm. have the actual classic car show.
0: And then in the end, Papa doesn't win.
1: Papa doesn't win. He places third, which I think is quite admirable, both yeah. on the author and for Papa Bear. And uh, he gets offered a car for a million dollars.
0: So you just you just laid out the plot and you made it sound shockingly straightforward.
1: <laughs> there are so many red herrings that I was like, should I try to? No, I can't name out all these. Well, red there's also herrings.
0: like no fewer than about twenty speaking parts in this book. <laughs> yes. Because this is this is a big chapter book, so they populate it with cubs. There are each cub has their expertise, and they get their say in this mystery.
1: Yeah, we've got the poor bear who apparently is an idiot.
0: <laughs> You're talking about and, Barry and, well, Bruin, of course.
1: Yes, of course. You know what? Idiots not polite. Um, apparently, it's just not really great at anything except for cars, and mm-hmm. like that's a thing. I know plenty of people like that in the aviation world, where I'm like. Would you understand current politics and what's going on in the world? No, but I can tell you everything about airplanes that you ever needed to know.
0: Yeah, and this is a new, this is a new trait because Barry Bruin has in the past been portrayed as, well, not smart. And I wouldn't say not smart, more he's not quick. Like, we don't know if he makes bad grades or not, but we know that he's not very quick on the uptake. He also thinks that he's funny which makes him doubly terrible, because he's like the self-proclaimed comedian of the group.
1: The way they described him this time around, maybe knowing that he likes to crack a joke, maybe this is less severe than I thought, but they talk about how his mom has to sew in his name tags.
0: Yeah, I think he's more the butt of their jokes.
1: I I guess, but at first I was like, oh, this is a little awkward. (laughs) Like, is this guy really not intelligent?
0: Well, especially compared to Ferdy Factual.
1: My favorite hipster.
0: Yes, everyone's favorite (laughs) hipster. He's the resident genius. (laughs) Yeah, but even he, and I like this little like character thing. Ferdy defers to Barry because Ferdy's like, one thing I don't know anything about is cars and I'm not too like, he's not too proud to admit it.
1: But he at least owns up to it. Yeah,
0: that's a sign of a true genius, admitting what you don't know.
1: Oh man, I don't really want to like Ferdy, but I do like Ferdy because of that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so Barry's our resident uh, car expert. As you mentioned, uh, they make a big deal in this book about Bonnie and Brother not actually being boyfriend girlfriend.
1: So does that mean a date book is coming up?
0: Well, the funny thing is, is of course these books exist in a in a somewhat strict continuity. Like you can find a you can you can find a rough timeline through them. There's a as they as as we find out at the end, like they bring back some villains for this one from a previous book. But in the last book we read, they also made a big deal about the fact that. uh, That while there are feelings between brother and Bonnie, they are still they still only consider themselves friends. They had tried dating uh, earlier on in the series and decided that they were better off as just best friends. But they do have weird, complex feelings for one another, if that makes sense.
1: I remember this middle school relationship so well.
0: Were Were you a Bonnie or were you a brother?
1: I guess I'll stick with being a Bonnie, but I did have a best friend that we all assumed we would eventually end up together and we tried dating twice and the first time it did fine the second time ended not lots of drama yeah uh we're still actually really good friends to this day and great. Uh, he and his husband have the cutest kid so
0: um, see i like i like a children's book that establishes that kids can have feelings for one another and give it a shot and if it doesn't work out you can still be friends like i like that role modeling
1: i also really like the fact that they're getting teased all the time because they should be
0: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> so my first question was why is barry bruin brought on to be the car expert if we actually have a character i don't know how much barry's actually in the series but two ton nope uh too tall is at least one that i've seen a few times and his family owns this auto graveyard so theoretically, shouldn't he also be a car expert?
0: I would think that he would know about cars. It's a good question, though. Um, I'm wondering if it's because when it comes to the actual invest. So you had mentioned the owners of the auto graveyard, who are, of course, Tootalls family, two-ton grizzly, uh, two-two, his mother, and too much, his sister, uh, which are, <laughs> of course, the most amazing names in bear country. <laughs>
1: They're so great.
0: I'm assuming it's because to ask Too Tall to join the investigation would have been
1: awkward. That makes sense. He does have quite a temper in this book.
0: Well, we're really poking at Tootal's pushing his buttons in this book.
1: To be fair, I don't remember what the first fight was or who. No, it was with Ferdy, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, I mean, they're kind of set uh, nemesis. But the mm-hmm. second fight, when his family gets accused of stealing these cars, justified in his anger.
0: Yeah, things take a turn, kind of an ugly turn. There's a lot of jumping to conclusions in this book.
1: There is.
0: You said the first fight was between Tootal and Ferdy, and it's true. Um, there's a there's a great uh, exchange between the two of them where he's like, I'm gonna bloody your nose. <laughs> and Ferdy says, You better watch out or I'll give you a bloody fist. And Tutal got so confused, he forgot he was angry. That
1: is a good comeback. I was just gonna say, I realized what the fight was. He called it a smelly swamp or smelly dump.
0: (laughs) Which includes the amazing illustration of too tall <laughs> angrily saying the words smelly dump
1: yes it's amazing
0: i want a t-shirt of it i want a t-shirt of just too tall in that pose saying smelly dump
1: i think we could make that work for you
0: <laughs> I'm, i have been petitioning the berenstains to release these illustrations and start marketing them i think it'd be a great idea
1: that actually yeah
0: A slew of ironic t-shirts i mean come on it's just <laughs> sitting there they're sitting on money
1: you have at least two customers here
0: yeah <laughs> at least two. So, yeah, so we get we also get some wonderful names of cars.
1: We've got the 1927 Mercedes, Bear-Sades? Bear Sadies. Bear There's the 1954 Grizzly Garage Roadster.
0: Well, Squire Grizzly has a Lac limousine.
1: Oh, God, yes. Oh, the 1922 Bear MW.
0: Oh, the Bear MW. That is amazing.
1: That is perfect. I know they found a few more. Ah, the 32... Beersenberg, and 38, Grizzlyak.
0: What gets weird is when they go to the auto Graveyard, they find these original hubcaps and this original hood ornament. You also learn something about Two-Ton Grizzly.
1: Yes, he does not have good night vision, we're told.
0: Yes, which is an interesting uh, thing for a a person to bring up in casual conversation with children.
1: Uh, (laughs) Uh, I mean, trying to get him out. I get it. You know, like get him out of his quote unquote store or what are these actually? Like I spent the whole time reading this going, what is this called? Like it's not actually called an auto graveyard. Like I couldn't place the actual like English word for this.
0: It's like auto parts. Dump? Ground? An auto? What is it? What is it called? An auto? An auto exactly. dump? I was like,
1: there is a word for this.
0: Right, right. What am I thinking of? Um, <laughs> an auto parts? I, I just want to say graveyard, but it's not, <laughs> that's not what it's called. Um, a junkyard, I guess? Is it a junkyard? But I think of like, a junkyard as having all kinds of junk. Not True. just like a salvage yard?
1: That would work.
0: I is think. it a salvage yard? I think that's what it's called
1: okay that yeah uh, okay. now i feel better because i'm sitting here going what would i call this place like if i needed to go find parts for my car
0: yeah auto salvage yard um i just looked it up just to make sure we were right yes yeah, that looks like <laughs> exactly what it is auto salvage um yeah we've been introduced to to parts rs before it's uh uh we've been introduced to tall's family in another book uh i believe it was the showdown at chainsaw gap uh, because they are right, and they mention it in this book they are right on the edge of Berger's Woods, which is uh, a little bear country geography. Birders Woods butts right up against the uh, the Auto Graveyard, and they live. Their house is actually comprised of cobbled together like trailers and cars. Like they live in a gigantic house that is made out of auto junk.
1: Yeah, that was actually a really cool. Like, that sounds like an awesome house.
0: In Chainsaw Gap, they actually moved out of the junkyard house into a regular house. And I like in this book, it says they couldn't they couldn't make life work in that house, so they moved back into their junk house.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love the idea of just having a really weird house and being like, yeah, it's quirky, it's eccentric, but it's us. It's like a bunch of trucks put together, right?
0: Yeah, they are, de- and they are definitely quirky and eccentric as a family. <laughs> they are... They're probably the quirkiest and most eccentric family in Beartown. I would say, like, the 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 Two Talls family are... They are gruff. Two tall is the only, like, sort of, like, bad apple in them. Because the rest of them are tough, but they're not cruel.
1: Yeah, they keep talking about how his dad is a really honest businessman. Um, and his, his sister's a bouncer. And, yeah, it just seems like a really cool family. I think they even also say, again, that, like he's the only one with issues or is a prof- the problem child.
0: Yeah. yeah. two-ton, uh, too much, two-ton's daughter worked as a bouncer at a local bar. And if I'm not mistaken, this is also our first reference to there being bars in bear country.
1: <laughs> How does that make you feel?
0: I think it makes you feel awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be, it has to be like Moe's. It has to be some oh, kind yeah. of just like dive tavern.
1: Took me a minute to make, to realize you didn't mean the
0: Tex-Mex place? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they, they must have a Tex-Mex <laughs> restaurant in Bear oh, Country. Oh, definitely. We, we, know that, we know they have Texas in Bear Country. The we we've heard <laughs> okay. reference to they have an uncle who lives in Texas, so uh they must have Tex-Mex. I mean, I assume there's Mexican bears, so <laughs> how deep does this go? <laughs> I wanna believe that too much is like a a Patrick Swayze type bouncer. I wanna think that she is not only a a, a, not only one tough cookie but that she is to be feared
1: i hope so she looked pretty fierce but not like scary in the picture that they have of her
0: we also uh so grizzly gramps so grizzly gramps had owned this car and then he sold it to papa was how it worked
1: yeah when he bought his truck he sold it to papa
0: and he had engraved his initials in the hubcaps which is how they identify them as originally belonging to gramps
1: i'm not entirely sure i'm not a car person I'm not entirely sure what hubcaps are and why you would be taking them off to write your initials on them.
0: <laughs> well, I know that hubcaps are stolen a lot because they get stolen on TV shows. <laughs> um, but like,
1: I don't know what their purpose is. They cover the hubs. Sure.
0: <laughs> they cover the car hubs, the hub hubules on the, on the wheels of cars. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> let me just put it this way my car is missing one hubcap okay and if you look at it from the side with the not missing hubcaps you think to yourself there is a car if you look at it from the side that has a missing hubcap you go there is a terrible car
1: okay got it that's the only thing
0: I can think of is they make (laughs) your car not look like a broken down car
1: no matter how bad my car has gotten my hubcaps have always stayed in place I think
0: yeah, mine just disappeared. Like, I don't know where it went.
1: Probably the same person who stole Grizzly Gramps, because we don't actually figure out who stole his.
0: Yeah, this whole thing is weird. So this whole thing gets very confusing, because they find these parts in the in the graveyard, and then they're like, do you think that Teuton stole these, like, originally? <laughs> and I'm like, and did, like, just threw them in the junkyard for, like, 40 years? Like, I don't understand, like, the... the, the- illogic logic here.
1: The fact that they they look around for roughly two hours, I think, mm-hmm. and are able to dig up these hubcaps and hood ornament that were stolen roughly forty years ago. And I was just like, what would they be much further down <laughs> in the garbage?
0: Not only would they be like buried under like piles of cars, they would be horrifically worn down and unpresentable.
1: Exactly. But apparently, they're in perfect condition, like they were stolen yesterday.
0: They, but they, but they, they sort of come to this idea that maybe Tutan didn't steal them because he would have sold them to a classic car collector if he had. Um, then there's the big day with the with the classic car show, and the cars get stolen.
1: Which, like, how? It's not all one brand. It's not like someone has like a master key,
0: right? The owners bring the classic The owners bring the classic cars to the athletic field which is all decked out and decorated. It, it's, such, it's such a big deal that, like, it says Bear Town's hotels and motels were full. Oh, yes. So, yeah, like, this is a huge car show. And then when the day comes, they're like, oh, up, oh, some cars are missing.
1: The liability of that, oh, man.
0: Right, right. Like, this school is getting closed. Yes. We also get into the whole, like, There's, like, a semantics argument because Squire Grizzly loses, what, like, three cars?
1: Three or four.
0: And Papa only lost one, but because Papa only has one car, in his mind, he has a greater loss than Squire Grizzly because he lost his entire car collection. Right. Which I'm not sure, like, emotionally, moralistically, how that actually plays out. Like, I don't know if that's true.
1: (laughs) It's quite a simplistic look at it because... There's a good chance that Squire Grizzly has more expensive cars. Right. So, but there is also a chance that Papa Bear's car uh, alone costs more than his entire thing. So, like, I get the logistics behind what they're trying to say, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't fit.
0: It sounds like something that you would present to, like, a philosophy class. Yes. If you're like, two bears. (laughs) Bear with me, class. (laughs) Two bears own classic cars. One bear is working class and has one classic car. One bear is super rich and has a million classic cars. The rich bear, four of his cars get stolen. The middle class bear, one of his cars gets stolen. Who has suffered the greater loss?
1: Now, if you add in the fact that I didn't realize this, apparently this is the car they drive around in.
0: Yeah, it is also their only car.
1: So that I was like oh this is definitely a greater loss now.
0: It is not papa's work car. He does have he has a truck that he does deliveries in. I know that because oh, he's okay. a carpenter and you can't haul a table in the red roadster. No. But I think it's a it's 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 an interesting philosophical conundrum like looking at like how do you judge value? How do you judge loss? How do you judge like if I were ever to teach a class, which I wouldn't because I don't have a degree and have no desire to ever be a teacher, this would be how I would introduce the class to my, to my syllabus. Oh,
1: you need to start teaching philosophy and then just slowly the students realize that actually you've just been teaching embarrassing bears the whole time. I'm all for this class.
0: I could totally see like a college class that uses Berenstain bear books to teach like morals and ethics and, and philosophy.
1: I like this college. We should do this
0: a yeah, cartoon college like scooby-doo in the art of detection like snorks in the art and snorks in marine biology
1: i love this this is great
0: let's go let's, let's run with it let's uh let's start a new podcast series where each episode is a different lecture based on a cartoon character
1: don't don't tempt me i can't do anymore and yet <laughs> yeah. this morning i was like if i did this could I work it into my schedule? And oh, was,
0: another podcast?
1: Yes. Like, yeah,
0: trust me. I go through that every roughly every week I have that thought. <laughs> the answer is no.
1: exactly. yes. i'm I'm not allowed to do anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so of course, these cards are missing. so of course, the Chief of Police is like, "Where are those children?
1: <laughs> well, before that we meet the mayor. this is the first time I've met the mayor. Oh, okay. This guy- might be the most obnoxious person ever. <laughs> and as he keeps talking later they talk about how he gives a speech and all i could think was oh dear god they were there for hours
0: <laughs> what, what do you find so obnoxious about mayor honeypot
1: well it's like sometimes he mixes up his beginning and ends and then it's like every <laughs> single word is mixed up this is not sometimes this is all the time.
0: So I've said this before about Mayor Honeypot. This is I've said I have said this. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, <laughs> to say this and then I'm going to qualify it and then I'm going to take back what I say. I have said in the past, Mayor Honeypot is a character who works as a cartoon character in the Saturday morning cartoon he worked because he's speaking these lines. So you're hearing him make these malapropisms and 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 mix up his his syllables and stuff. Now I'm going to qualify that and say, I have since watched a bunch of episodes of the 1985 cartoon. And now I'm going to take back what I said. It doesn't even work as a cartoon character. Even Frank Welker can't make this character work. Like he tries his hardest and it's just not a funny character. So I feel your pain, Megan, that-
1: well, All I could think of was like, the first time I was like, okay, that's cute. The second time I was like, okay, you're really knocking this in. The third time I was like, okay, now I'm actually really worried for him medically. Like, right. this sounds like you're having a stroke or <laughs> or something's not clicking right. You should get to a hospital.
0: And it's it's one of those things where, like, this is pre-Simpsons, but they could have gone the the Mayor Quimby route and had him just be a shifty politician. Yeah. But instead, they gave him a weird, like, vocal tick that just makes him an irritating human being. Like, not that people who, like, have, like... uh problems with speech you know like speech impediments or whatever like not that that's like irritating but as a cartoon character it is distinctly distracting
1: right it's almost like are you making fun of someone but i don't think that that is what's going on here but if this had been written 10 years later five years later it actually would have been a question of like I don't know who if you're trying to offend someone or if this is supposed to be cute
0: right so of course they uh, they uh, they they say like okay well a horrible horrible crime has been committed let's get these children to solve it
1: yeah I was like did I just read that right okay
0: and this isn't like in the past like the bear detectives are like gang we got to get the bear detectives together to solve this this is literally like police chief Bruno's all well let's get those bear detectives. <laughs>
1: And they're making Barry an honorary detective for the day.
0: Right, because he knows one thing.
1: He knows it well, though. He has five volumes of tire markings on antique cars so that knowledge don't let it go to waste
0: he knows a lot about cars but he is committed to the knowledge yeah uh he pulls out a book because they find tire tracks and uh sisters like tires of the world there's a whole book about tires and he's like are you kidding this is only the first volume of five
1: i have a friend like if i had read this like seven or eight years ago i would have been like this seems ridiculous but i have a friend that is really into cars Mm -hmm. and the things that i've caught him like reading at his desk at the end of the day and i'm just like is that really a magazine for Volkswagen bug parts? He's like, yes, in fact, it is.
0: Okay. So when
1: they're like, there are four volumes or five volumes on tires, I was like, no, I believe this. I'm convinced.
0: No, I think it's weird. But then I'm like, well, I have gotten lost on like mastersoftheuniverse.com looking at all the various action figure discrepancies (laughs) between like different models of like, Prince Adam and Orko, like, like oh, when the when the figure was re-released as a mail away, uh, the uh, the 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 boot ruffles were uh, tan instead of brown. Fascinating. And they're like, well, I don't really have like a room to talk about anyone's like personal obsessions.
1: This is true.
0: Uh, speaking of Ralph from earlier, they uh, they think that Ralph Ripoff might have stolen the cars, but uh, but apparently not. Apparently, you can't. You, they don't think he's a big enough criminal to have stolen cars.
1: Yeah, he's like, um, takes it as a compliment that someone would think he could do this. And they're like, well, Chief Bruno doesn't think you can. And it's like, oh, now I'm insulted. It's like, this is a great villain. It's just like so upfront about, yeah, I do crime, whatever.
0: What's funny is they're like, he's a small town criminal. And I'm like, you you mention in this book. That he staged an entire carnival just to swindle a hospital out of all of its money. <laughs> He's not a small-time, no. he he has nefarious criminal friends who come in from out of town to steal things. Like, I think Ralph is more than capable of stealing a bunch of cars.
1: And considering how he kind of gets caught in the crossfires later, it was like, oh... You actually could have done this if you had thought about it.
0: Well, they go investigating in the auto graveyard late at night. And and uh, oh, by the way, everyone, listeners at home, you may, have, you may have noticed the title of this book is The Ghost <laughs> of the Auto Graveyard. And at no point in this entire episode have we actually mentioned ghosts.
1: Yeah. So I was reading this on my phone. So it told me I had 44 pages. Um, it wasn't giving me actual page numbers. So it was page 30 of 44 when we actually finally see a ghost or talk about a ghost for the first time. No idea what percentage that is off the top of my head, but more than 75% of the way through.
0: Well, I think it's telling that chapter eight, where they finally are revealed, is not called ghosts. It's called ghosts with a question mark. <laughs> and immediately the reader is like, oh, I, I can see where this is going.
1: Exactly, yes. There are no actual ghosts. It's very unfortunate.
0: You find out that uh, ghosts have been spotted in the graveyard uh, when Tutola reveals that his father doesn't actually have bad night vision his father is afraid of the dark
1: i loved that so much cuz they talk about how he's the the largest bear in the county and yet he is afraid of the dark and i was like this is i was about to say personifying for lack of a better word personifying such like great extremes in a person and i loved it i loved it i am I, at some point in my life, thought that this fear of the dark would go away. And it still hasn't. So I am all okay with a grown man being like, yeah, I can't see well at night so I can get you out of my graveyard.
0: Uh, and we also get Too Tall, who catches them snooping around the graveyard. And they say, like, we, you know, we think that we, we pretty, pretty much think your family is the one who's been stealing these cars. Too Tall gets mad, but he's kind of hurt.
1: Understandably.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so Too Tall's the one who tells them that uh, the other night, they thought they saw ghosts out in the graveyard. And we get a nice little illustration of uh, Tuton seeing ghosts out in the graveyard.
1: And they only find four of the cars in the graveyard.
0: Oh, right, right, right.
1: The, they only find four of the eight. And of course, not Squire, Grizzly, or Papa Bear's cars.
0: Tutol doesn't want them to call the cops, though, because he's afraid that it'll give the family a bad reputation and they'll lose business.
1: Which, okay, so what exactly is their business? Because they find these hubcaps and this hood ornament there is no discussion of an exchange of money or like <laughs> like hey you found them in our junk section like it's cool it's free you did the labor you found them i'm just
0: like normally you would take the parts the to the to the to the to the person exactly and the person would be like uh that'll cost you x y and z right i'm gonna assume they just didn't want to get bogged down in the details in this but i'm i have to believe that brother and bonnie paid for those parts
1: at, at the very least or like you know, he knew that it was Papa Bear and Papa Bear came back later to pay. Hopefully, because they talk about how, you know, they're watching out for trespassers and people stealing things, but then let these kids walk out with that
0: Well, it's a huge auto graveyard too. Like we're led to believe that everything can be witnessed from two tons office. Right. But I don't know. It seems a little, it seems a little shifty to me. So they decide not to call the cops, but they, uh, they do decide to have a sleepover there, which for some reason Mama and Papa Bear are like, Oh you're having a, you're all having a sleepover with Tootal? Sure, that sounds legit.
1: Even makes a comment of like, Oh good, I'm glad you guys are getting yeah. along.
0: Why are you glad they're getting along <laughs> with Tootal? He's a drug dealer, bully, <laughs> who's been in trouble with the law like in every other book.
1: Yeah, this book makes him seem just like a very misunderstood kid rather than someone who actually does things that are not great.
0: I would you – know, if my teenager was like, I'm going to go hang out with Too Tall Grizzly, I'd be like, mm, I think that's probably not a good idea. And the very fact that you are planning to hang out with Too Tall tells me something terrible is probably going on.
1: Like, what are you hiding?
0: Of course, they are detectives. I would be like, Mom, Dad, we are the bear detectives. We've been commissioned by the police chief of police to solve a crime. Please let us go solve – like." I'd be like, all right, well, I guess this is what our lives are now.
1: Now, did they ever discuss payment with the police for solving all these crimes? (laughs) I'm all about making sure people get paid tonight.
0: It's all going to come out of the prize money. There you go. We also have infrared technology introduced to bear country so they can spy on thieves at night. Because we learned that too, too, and too much are the, they take care of thieves in the auto graveyard.
1: It's two female bears, right? Oh, yeah. It's mom and the daughter. So that's even cooler, especially adding the... It's the dad that's terrified of the dark.
0: Dad's terrified of dark, scared of ghosts. Wife and daughter have <laughs> to take care of uh, the criminal element who come through. And sure enough, that night, they spy two ghosts down in the graveyard.
1: This is the point that they decide to get all the adults involved. Actually, they get off with two of the cars. And cousin is it Cousin Fred? Uh-huh. Cousin Freddy is like, they'll be back. They left the gate open. All I could think was dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Such good timing,
0: and we get to see, uh, we get to see a little bit of the of too much and too too in action. Yeah, like kind of horrifically in action.
1: Yeah, they end up uh, like bonking them on the head and and uh, wrestling the ghost down to the ground and like tackles one around the legs, if I'm not mistaken. All while too tall is wandering around lost. Yeah
0: too tall gets lost in the dark too much grabs the the two ghosts quote unquote by the collar and knocks their heads together knocks them completely unconscious so wow and we actually get that in an illustration we get her slamming two bears heads together
1: of course one of them has the criminal beanie
0: criminal beanies there it is that's how you know it's part of the element but then shock upon shock uh what do we see going down old grizzly river
1: ralph's house his houseboat is going with the cars
0: yeah oh no we thought ralph was innocent
1: i thought that was a really good twist at first i was like oh ralph how dare
0: but then another twist
1: he's actually tied up they hear him they hear the muffled sounds of a bear calling or (laughs) the way it's worded i was just like it's like the sounds of a bear gagged and restraint. I don't right. remember, but it's just like... Uh, I know what is that crazy.
0: is, said brother. It's a bear bound and gagged. and It's coming from the reeds <laughs> on the riverbank.
1: It's like, oh, how many times do you hear this?
0: Uh, quite often, <laughs> as, actually, they have encountered this in several books in the past. Oh,
1: bless. Frequently Ralph. <laughs> oh, poor Ralph. Now, there's a comment he makes. So he, he looks for his parrot, and then he makes the comment that he's been tied up for 24 hours hang on a second it's not been 24 hours since they last talked to you
0: i've been lying here tied up for over 24 hours you're right wow yeah
1: i had to read a few times and was like they went to visit ralph then to the graveyard spent the night in the graveyard yeah it's still not been 24 hours so just an editing note
0: i would say lying bound and gagged in the reeds by a riverbank would probably do something to your sense of time
1: this is true i it's got to be quite boring
0: and like Thirsty. He's probably completely dehydrated.
1: Well, don't know how good is that river water.
0: He's been drinking dank river water.
1: No, it's. I don't think I can justify that at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that the people who tied him up were Captain Billy and Otto, uh, who were our villains in, I believe it was the uh, Freaky Funhouse. Uh, they were the. They were the people working with Ralph to swindle Dr. Gert Grizzly out of money for the hospital wing at the hospital. They attempted to literally kill Ralph in that book. They, wow. they tied him up and they threw him in the river and they were arrested for murder at the end of the book. And then he returned. He, he was a escape artist in his young days. So he got out of the ropes, <laughs> but they had okay. act- actually attempted to kill him. They were arrested and tried and found guilty of attempted murder in that book. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads to the line in this book. But I thought Captain Billy and Otto were in bear country prison said brother you and everyone else said ralph and uh that's it they they had escaped from prison somehow
1: oh i guess they met the other two in prison as well and were able to call the river police
0: oh right because there's two so it's there's the two bears who were the ghosts weren't captain billy and otto
1: shifty sheldon and clarence the cook the crook
0: shifty sheldon and clarence the crook
1: when your parents gave you that what else are you going to do it like
0: I would say Clarence the Crook is the worst criminal name since Ralph Ripoff. <laughs> like there have been some pretty terrible criminal names in this series, but cl- like just Clarence the Crook is well, that that's exactly what he is.
1: I just see the raccoon mask and the cake.
0: Yep. Because
1: <laughs> if you're going to have that name, you just have to go all out.
0: Yep. He's got the mask. He's got the cave. He's got the stripy shirt. And probably the uh, oh yes, a bag with a dollar sign on it.
1: Oh, he's definitely the one that had the uh, the the robber cap in the, in the picture. <laughs> no doubt.
0: <laughs> Clarence the Crook, Shifty Sheldon, though that's like a garbage pail kid name.
1: <laughs> I could see I, that. Actually, I could see being like an elementary school nickname. <laughs> like, we learned the name Shifty Sheldon Shifty. Now you are forever Shifty Sheldon.
0: You're forever Shifty Sheldon. That's and from the look on Shifty Sheldon's face in the illustration, I have a feeling he's been he's had it pretty rough since elementary school.
1: Probably poor guy.
0: So of course Captain Billy and Otto get arrested, and uh, time for the for the car show, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess they put it on hold for the day.
0: Uh huh. Everyone Which... came in from out of town. the The hotels are filled.
1: All the restaurants are too, but yeah. So Squire Grizzly wins first and second place. Yep. And then Papa Bear comes in and takes third.
0: And that kind of doesn't sit well with old Squire Grizzly.
1: No, and they go through quite a long explanation of like, not everybody could realize why he's in third, but thank God these judges are really car intelligent.
0: And then Squire Grizzly tries to buy the Red Roadster for a million dollars or no. He tries to sell Papa a car for a million dollars.
1: Yeah, he tries to sell him his 1946 Grizzly sedan.
0: And then it just kind of ends.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of like, I, I really thought this was going to take another twist. I really thought Squire actually set all this up to steal the car.
0: Like, for what, for what end?
1: I, I honestly don't know. Part of me was like, so he'll collect insurance on the ones that got stolen of his, and now he has Papa Bear's rare car
0: oh well that would have been and, a better ending
1: <laughs> well then it started talking about how he was not happy he won third and i was like oh are we about to get a twist and no instead he just walks up and he's like congratulations
0: as opposed to the insurance fraud that we encountered a couple of books ago the terrible talking termite we encountered insurance oh, fraud that yes. wasn't actually insurance fraud this this would be good a good like staging the theft of your own cars to collect on them and then also getting a new car to add to your collection that's a that'd be pretty shrewd i'm kind of sad they didn't actually come up with that
1: <laughs> i guess they don't want to soil squire grizzly's name
0: yeah i mean he's cause... a jerk but he's not a bad guy exactly i mean he's a bad guy in that he is a robber baron and a millionaire
1: sure <laughs> he also has a, a mon- monocle i was like oh he that's just... <laughs> great
0: can i ask you a question sure about an illustration in this book when you see Papa holding his third place trophy, <laughs> does it look like they drew a trophy and then drew a hat on it?
1: Yes, in fact, it does. <laughs> I was gonna say it looks like a rocket ship trophy?
0: Yeah, it's a cup trophy, like a, like you would see, like a regular cup trophy. But then they drew a hat on it, like a clown hat.
1: I'm Trying to think as to why they would do that.
0: I've never seen a trophy that looks like that. No. <laughs> it's been bugging me since i read this book
1: maybe there's candy inside so you don't candy. <laughs> i don't know
0: it is a it is a uh it is a practical cup
1: do we know exactly what they were raising money for the school okay <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> But not
1: I, like that, no, anything it's specific
0: i had to go back and look this up i was like when i got to the end i was like wait why did they have this thing again and because like not only did it like take up like The school ground for several days. It took up school staff, like teacher Bob, like was in charge of it.
1: Yeah, and they put kid bears in charge, like they gave them on committees and stuff, which like I kind of can understand. But Papa Bear is all about putting this car in the show, but can't be bothered to go find these parts that he needs, or he can't show the car. Yeah, the adults in this book are very, very weird.
0: Yeah, uh, the motivations in this are a little murky
1: yeah like why did you want to enter the car
0: there's no cash prize right i don't know just like a- <laughs> is papa just trying okay let's let's puzzle this out okay car show is announced it's in the paper it's a big deal papa's like hey maybe my car could be in it and that's as far as i get
1: <laughs> yeah and then he's like well you know it is an old car it could be a classic and then i was like what makes a car a classic no idea
0: yeah yeah he says like cool than you think i'm thinking of entering the bear family car and that's that's it like he's just like i'm doing it i'm gonna do it but then papa like disappears from the story for a long time
1: yeah because he's too busy to do anything it's like he goes i can't do this they go cool we'll help you out then he forgets that they said that because then they're like your dad is angry that you've been here so long. Right, right. It's been two hours. It's six p.m. Like, depending what time of year this is, it's still sunny outside.
0: Yeah, well, it's not sunny because two two ton had to come through the flashlight and find them.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right.
0: But it's like you you made these kids go into a junkyard and dig through old metal in the dark.
1: Also, almost tried to get brother bear to convince his sister to come too, right like pulls him off to the side to have a talk about how if you call it a graveyard you're scaring your sister
0: uh we have the uh there's something i forgot about which is that when all the kids are getting their jobs for the for the classic car show and again i would have been so ticked off if i was a kid and there was a classic car show at my school and they made me work it
1: yeah especially if you're like i just don't care about cars
0: right right um And what's really weird is they're listing their jobs. And so Barry Bruin is the chair bear. Brother Bear is deputy chair bear. And then it says, because of her modeling experience, Bonnie Brown was chosen to pose with her uncle's 1927 Mercedes touring car for the show poster. And like, that's kind of gross and weird for a child to do.
1: Yes. And then Queenie is in charge of making sure that uh, Too Tall stays in line. I was like, you poor girl.
0: Yeah, that stinks. It really does. She's the one who wants a job and he's like, uh, you're in charge of keeping Two Tall in line. I'm like, but in the past, Two Tall has been in charge of security at these events. Yeah, it says right here, Two Tall and his gang are assigned to direct visitor parking. Like They have a job.
1: Is Queenie useless and I've just missed this?
0: No, she's a really <laughs> smart bear.
1: That's what I thought, but they really put her in the role of, you are Two Tall's girlfriend in this book don't expect anything else
0: i guess she had a really big part in the last couple of books but (laughs) so i I guess i don't feel too bad for the actor i don't actually (laughs) know
1: the character could take a moment to breathe it's okay
0: yeah you gotta let the character breathe you gotta like (laughs) sideline her for a bit let barry bruin have his moment this is his story We'll come back to Queenie probably in the next... I, I do believe we're actually coming back to Queenie big, full force in, like, two books. So okay. uh, I don't feel too bad for her. But she does tend to get relegated to, like, either the love interest or the troublemaker.
1: That sucks. Yeah. There's more
0: to, I mean, as you know from the dress code, there's more to Queenie than that.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, Sister has, like, no part in this other than to tell everybody that cars are kind of stupid and that they should sell it if it's a classic
0: and that cars are kind of scary yes in the dark
1: she's she i almost forgot she was in this at first
0: somewhere along the line she became convinced that cars have ghosts in them (laughs) and that when a car dies the ghost comes out
1: Then i am so sorry to all the cars i've wrecked (laughs) please don't haunt me
0: how do you know when a car is dead
1: I don't know when
0: it. I guess when it won't work anymore. I guess like kind of how you know like say, a person is dead
1: when it's too. It costs more to fix it than it actually is worth.
0: <laughs> oh, this was, is what I've learned. I was gonna say when you just couldn't get it to start, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no, sorry. I actually have a really bad track record with cars, so. <laughs>
0: Uh, because, like, yeah, when you when you start thinking about cars being in a graveyard, that's that, like, leads opens up a whole new, like, wow, cars in a graveyard. Like, that's, does a car have a soul? Like, does a car have a, do, do you mourn a car? Do you?
1: When did this come out? Did Stephen King get his inspiration from this book?
0: Or did this book get, I, I'd say that this book could have used a little bit more Stephen King inspiration.
1: Really, if you're going to talk about ghosts, if you're going to name the book something with ghosts. Uh-huh. I need more ghosts.
0: This is like our billionth book that has promised ghosts and has ended up being people dressed in white sheets. Or no, people <laughs> dressed in white clothes. Like I, we, we've encountered this on multiple occasions now where like people think there's ghosts and it's always someone dressed in a white outfit that someone sees in the dark and they're like a g- g- ghost.
1: I guess it is kind of geared towards young enough. I, earlier I was trying to figure out would this be a children's book or a middle grade book? Hmm. And I'm still not entirely sure which one I would fall under.
0: Well, it impressed my seven-year-old. Oh, that's good. So, Megan, at the end of the day, what are your thoughts on The Ghost of the Auto Graveyard?
1: Uh, it needs a better title. Uh-huh. But outside of that, not a bad book. Could use a uh, cutting down the story. So I'm like Now I'm really super curious who stole from the grandfather. But overall, it's not bad. I liked it. It's a little less uh, political and pressurizing as the uh, dress code one was. Yeah. So I was a little worried. I was like, oh, God, please don't let this be something that's going to somehow relate to politics today.
0: Yeah. No, it relates not at all to politics. This is one of the least uh, least (laughs) political books uh, we've covered in the series. It's uh, I I agree. It's 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 not bad. It's not one of the better books, but it's also certainly not one of the worst books I've read in the series. Um yeah. the characters get their little moments and you get a stupid little mystery, which is always fun. I always enjoy when the bear detectives come out. Like I said, in every episode, I believe the bear detectives should have gotten their own series and not the bear scouts. But that's neither here nor there. Um I wish they had gone with your ending, where Squire Grizzly was the <laughs> was the crook. Um, but I do enjoy I enjoy these little additions to the Bears world, like the names of the cars. This sort of like oh,
1: that is great.
0: I like the deep history of with a family where like I bought this car several decades ago, and it was part of this like company that shut down. And I like when they bring back characters from the previous books and reference the fact that like there is this weird continuity in these books. That's not always consistent, but it's there. Like it's 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 definitely there. So uh, oh, and this book has a great cover.
1: It does, in fact, have a great cover. Now looking at it again, like I really thought this was going to be a terrifying book. Those are some scary ghosts on the front cover, and there are gravestones.
0: <laughs> Our last book had one of the worst covers I've ever seen on a Baron Bear chapter book. Uh, oh, this no. is one of the, this is one of the best covers I've seen. These dynamic, terrifying ghosts floating out of the husks of destroyed cars, gravestones <laughs> floating about, and three terrified cubs. Uh, menaced by the red-eyed and bloodshot-eyed <laughs> uh uh wailing specters uh that do not at all appear for one second in this entire book
1: No, oh, it's so unfortunate
0: but still be a, that'd be a pretty cool poster to hang on your room in sixth grade
1: i also really like the background ghost there's one that looks like it's it's wailing uh-huh no a couple of them look like they're wailing and then one that either doesn't have eyes or has his eyes very closed
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Like these are squinched clothes tormented souls tormented souls in bear country like you would think that like oh this is the book where you find out that like Tutan built his auto graveyard on top of like a burial site
1: oh that would have been wonderful and so not in brand
0: like yeah like like well we know there was a great bear war maybe he built this on like the battlefield of one of the battles of the great bear war that would have actually
1: been really cool
0: (laughs) better book
1: i just say i feel like uh Papa Bear stays in very Papa Bear form in this book, oh, so yes. as long as not everybody changes, uh-huh. I'm okay with it. Awesome! He can stay problematic. It makes <laughs> me happy.
0: <laughs> well, everyone, this was the Berenstain Bears and the Ghost of the Auto Graveyard from 1997. Megan, where can our listeners find your shows, and what are they about?
1: Uh, you can find my podcast pretty much anywhere. Uh, that you can find podcasts. Uh, the, my first one is Judging Book Covers. We It's a biweekly book club where we're helping people currently read through their backlog of books. Uh, basically, we tell them, you know, pick a bunch of books, we'll pick one and read it with you. And uh, I host that with Stephanie Cortez. Uh, the second podcast is Fable Retellings, where we pick a fairy tale and look at a bunch of adaptations of it. We are currently getting ready to do bluebeard, um, which I think is starting next week actually. Um, And then my third one is a handbook for handbook for mortals where we look at a chapter by chapter discussion of the book handbook for mortals and discuss as we bash in our heads, why this book got published.
0: So, three very literary podcasts.
1: Thankfully, we watch some movies and TV shows in Fabulous to keep me from turning entirely into a book. <laughs> but, uh,. I'm very close. (laughs) Oh,
0: I know that feeling because if you want to find me uh, in more shows, uh, besides Berenstain Bears, I also am the co-host of Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast where I've been going through the books of Beverly Cleary with my co-host John McCoy. Uh, I also do uh, a podcast called It's Del Toro Time with my teenager, Ollie, where we've been covering the movies of Guillermo del Toro in addition to uh, his entire ecstasy of influence list, which is over 100 movies that he considers uh, his greatest influences on his career. We just did Jane Eyre with Orson Welles and Joan Fontaine. That nice. was a that was a fun one to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm out there. Uh, you can find me at berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find me at bstainbearcast on Twitter. Uh, you can write to me at berenstainbearcast at gmail.com and rate and review the show on iTunes. I would uh, really love to get a few more a few more reviews out there just sort of to boost the signal of this show. Megan, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Thank you for having me on. And I'm looking forward to you're going to be on our next Judging Book Covers episode.
0: Oh, that is right. We will be covering... Uh, Universal Harvester by John Darneal.
1: Yes, we're excited to have you on. So thank you again for having me on.
0: All right. And for everyone else out there, I will see you all next time. Hopefully my voice will not sound like this at all. But even if it does, I will still see you deep in bear country.